the People's Show, a Monday edition. Not quite Halloween week yet, but spooky season in full effect. Uh, Vic Nazar hanging out with you for the next hour here on a Monday edition of the People's Show. Big day, actually. We got Game 7 of the uh, Rangers-Astros later this evening. Uh, that's a while from now, though. We got to get through Canuck Central, get to hang out with me. From the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotic provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You want to be part of the show? Text in 650-650. It's the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox at Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. A lot to get into. Monday show. We got Buzzer Bell coming up in about 10 minutes. Guess the lines later on in the show. We'll have some Canucks thoughts as well. And a conversation with Paul Skurbina from the Tennessean covering those Nashville Predators who uh, will be facing off against the Canucks. Wrapping up the road trip tomorrow here on these airwaves. 6.15 puck drop. Staggered puck drop because they're doing the, the big ESPN rollout with the like the NHL red zone. So you get some staggered start times tomorrow. 6.15 start. So odd times. Set your uh, alarms, your cl- your clocks in your phone, whatever it is. Uh, make sure you're getting ready at 6.15 tomorrow. But we'll preview the Predators, who are kind of plucky to start this season. Uh, some thoughts on them uh, with Paul later on in the show. But I do want to start with what we saw yesterday over the course of week seven in the NFL season. And we're getting to this meaty middle part of the season. Teams start to separate themselves. The true contenders start to emerge. And as you've gone through this, some teams have good weeks. Some teams have bad weeks. You jump on a sexy team. They fade. What's the next hot new team? The big thing is you need evidence you can prove you can do something. Everything's a theory until it's put into practice. Practicality trumps theory. And once you show that you can reach a peak as a team, that puts you into a different conversation. It puts you in a different tier, and it puts you in a different spot. And right now, after yesterday, the Baltimore Ravens put themselves in that next conversation. You try to climb up these tiers, and you go out and demolish the Detroit Lions they went, the way they did. It wasn't just a good win. We always sit here and say, hey, you can have a good win, you can have a good loss, and things kind of even out in the wash. That was a great win for the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. Lamar Jackson, the story of Week 7 yesterday. Hopefully you weren't playing him in fantasy, or hopefully he was on your team. The Lions themselves have had a good win and a good loss this season. The Lions losing to to Seattle at home, yeah, it's a home game, but that's a good loss. It's 37-31, but they go and they beat the Chiefs on opening day. That's a good win, a close, hard-fought win. And even yesterday, I don't know if that's a bad loss for them going into Baltimore, but it is a great win for the Ravens to announce their presence and now show that they have a peak Come AFC playoff picture, they've put themselves in this conversation with the Chiefs, the Dolphins. The only two other teams for me shown that they have a peak. Yes, the Jaguars got five wins, but we haven't seen them at their best. The Chiefs, 
We keep trying to poke holes, the receivers and this and this. Chris Jones hold out, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift in the box, whatever it is. They got six wins. The Miami Dolphins have put up 70 points, and we'll get to them in just a bit too. But the Baltimore Ravens now with a massive 38-6 game. And it's not just that they won 38-6. And this is why the theory and evidence is important. There's been a lot of seasons now we've sat here and said, Lamar Jackson can be this as a passer. Lamar Jackson can be that as a passer. Change the offense. You'll finally see the best version of Lamar Jackson. Yesterday was years of takery coming into a weekend and saying, finally, we get to see it. All the people that are saying, hey, he can do these things. Now there's evidence of it in a big game and not just against a bad opponent. It's against the hottest team coming into last week was the Detroit Lions. And now they've proven, hey, we can go do this against a very good team. And the the Baltimore Ravens have arrived all of a sudden in a big way over this weekend. And, hey, it, it was it was tough for me. I, I took the Lions in big six, but they smashed the Lions this weekend. The Lions certainly have their uh, will have their way when it comes to the division. We'll get to Buzzer Bell. I'll uh, do a little preview. I think the Packers are going to be involved in Buzzer Bell. My bad on that on the Packers coming into the season. But if you're the Lions right now, you're still going to win the NFC North. You got a couple of games up on the Vikings who, again, go tonight uh, on Monday Night Football as they host the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, also part of Big Six, by the way. So we'll wait to see what our record is after this week. But they're, they're going to run away with the NFC North. So by and large for the Lions, it's it's not a huge knock, but it knocks them a bit off the pedestal of, hey, are they really in that final tier of teams? There's the, the true Super Bowl heavyweights, and then there's like the contenders. And I think the Lions maybe got pushed back after yesterday into the contenders tier 650 650 with any of your thoughts as well you can come into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox uh but also yesterday Seahawks get their win over the Cardinals it was expected right you should be able to beat the Cardinals uh they've they they kind of tried everything they could to give that game away with the amount of turnovers but Seahawks do what they needed to do uh get back on track and still some red zone woes as well yesterday. And certainly uh, they have a chance to get a lot more points and, and round out that offense. And, you know, they can move the ball. Just can't seem to finish drives right now. It's a big problem. But the big thing is the defense starting to come along. Devin Witherspoon looks like the biggest new star in the NFL uh, on the defensive side, at least in a season where defense is king and it's hard to make an impression when you got TJ Watt out there, Miles Garrett winning games on his own. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, all these great players. I'm probably missing a couple. Micah Parsons, I haven't even mentioned yet. It's hard to make an impression right now in a landscape that is full of defensive stars right now. Devin Witherspoon doing his part. And Jamal Adams coming back has made a significant help. You get I know there's a lot of focus on Jamal Adams as a coverage player. He's still a smart player. And still an athletic player. Now you get these two super brain guys in the secondary. They're closing people down. They are wrapping things up quick. And it's going to get tough now for the Seahawks all of a sudden. They're going to play the Browns this week. That's going to be a tough defensive matchup. Uh, How do the Browns defense matchup against the Seahawks offense? And then 
Uh, you get ready for Baltimore that we just been talking about. The Rams are coming up. A couple of games against the 49ers and the Cowboys. So the schedule for the Seahawks, we're really going to find out who they are over these next six to eight weeks. Philadelphia is in that mix as well uh, for the Seahawks uh, on the schedule. So it's going to get really tough for the Seahawks over the course of the next six to nine weeks. We're really going to find out who they are. 650 uh, in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. A lot to get to. I'll get to some of your uh, texts coming in. But first, uh, let's, we do it on a Monday. Uh, we're, again, we're pro-accountability on this show. I know we love to sit here and say, like, oh, we get everything right. And we get things wrong. I get things wrong. I say we. I'm putting Ben and Victor into this as well. It's, me, it's mostly me. I get things wrong. And I like to sit here on Mondays and tell you where we got it right and where we got it wrong. It's buzzer bell. Music that goes hard. Ben putting in work behind like the glass. Like that choice, though? Like that choice? Oh, yeah. This is strong. All right. We start with the buzzers. Sat here last week, and I was all hyped about the Detroit Lions. I think I might have bought a week too early. Classic move here. Don't buy high. They're still a top 10 team. They're still going to be difficult. And Ben Johnson is still probably going to be a head coach very soon. But it does show that there might be a ceiling with Jared Goff in a tough environment here in Baltimore that at times they might stub their toe. They lose David Montgomery. Maybe it showed up a bit. Obviously, Jameer Gibbs. I'm not worried about Jameer Gibbs running the ball and with the ball in his hand, but the functionality of the offense when you've got a pass block and all these other things. They, they feel like they are on the precipice of being great, but they might have to upgrade at QB at some point down the road, not this season, but at some point, and maybe they're just not quite ready to hang with the true, true heavyweights just yet. We'll go to the Bells. On the other side, Lamar Jackson. He is here. This is the season that a lot of people wanted to see for Lamar Jackson. If you wanted to make an MVP claim, yes, he's already got one and he did it with his legs. Now he's going to do it with his arm. This is the guy that's finally been waiting to see. Got to translate it to the playoffs. That's going to be the big thing for Lamar Jackson. Can you do it in the playoffs? But right now, this is uh, probably the second best contender in the AFC to go up against 1v1 versus Patrick Mahomes. Jordan Love, I'm a little bit out. Next year, maybe he still gets a chance to kind of run the, the, the show in Green Bay. But right now for Jordan Love, it looks a little overwhelming. Can't complete passes downfield. That's a big problem for a team that has a couple of nice receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs. It looks a little challenging right now for Jordan Love. He was one of the guys I was really excited about coming into the season. There's always some QBs who make a bit of a jump. I don't know if it's going to be Jordan Love this year. It looks a little too big, the, the, the task for him. And one of the reasons I liked him is the offensive line would be there to insulate it. Well, they've picked up some injuries. Elton Jenkins is picking up some penalties here as well. That's starting to slip. Aaron Jones's health has been, you know, mixed bag. It's looking a little difficult right now for Jordan Love. And it's not as if they've gone out of their way and really dedicated a bunch of resources to the position. It's a decent contract, but it's not one that they can't get out of. And if right now they're picking seventh, if they slide even more, do they put themselves in a conversation for Drake May, Caleb Williams, Shadur Sanders, and all those guys? Is there a an end of the runway 
to Jordan Love in Green Bay if it doesn't work the rest of this way. But very concerned right now about uh, Jordan Love. And and to be honest, the Packers in general, uh, some of the defensive woes continue for the Green Bay Packers. And it's it's a problem for a team that had the opportunity and poured first-round picks into the defense. Defensively, they just do not look very sharp. Patrick Mahomes, week one, I said, the gap between Mahomes and the rest of the league is something we do not discuss enough. And we keep looking at this wide receiver group and say, waiting for someone to emerge here. Rasheed Rice, he's catching passes, still a young player. But Sky Moore isn't progressing. Kadarius Tony hasn't really made a, a, any sort of progress. And Mahomes had no problem in a divisional game where they sealed the division. That's what yesterday was. It wasn't just beating the Chargers. It was that division is once again over. And in a day when Josh Allen lost against the lowly Patriots. L and a bunch of other QEs, you just kind of look at and say, hey, where are we at right now? Now, The gap between Mahomes and everybody else is the huge gap. And when we talk about tier one QBs, tier one is Patrick Mahomes. Everyone else is in tier two because it's just a tough reality right now for the rest of the NFL. When this guy and Andy Reid cooking up everything he can do, that when they take it seriously, because last Thursday they weren't playing serious, but Patrick Mahomes, 400 plus yards, four touchdowns, 32 completions. He was marvelous again, and it just shows uh, there is a massive gap uh, between him and everyone else. The Saints. We're going back to Thursday here, but speaking of teams I was kind of buying into in the offseason, the Saints, I'm kind of fading all of a sudden here. It didn't look good on Thursday. Derek Carr, the argument for me for Derek Carr was everything goes wrong in, in Raiderland. Oakland, they change cities, not great ownership. They change coaches, offensive line woes. They trade good players away, good receivers, and it just never it never felt stable. The Saints can be stable. And would you see a better version of Derek Carr come out? That hasn't happened. Alvin Kamara's come back, and they're still check down kings. Derek Carr is still the check down king all of a sudden. He's taking the title away from Kirk Cousins. That step never happened for the Saints. And suddenly, for a team that lacks a lot of juice in a weakened division, I got a lot of questions if they're going to be able to step out and get ahead of the Atlanta Falcons, who stubbed their toe routinely with a young QB, but at least they have an upside, and they're sitting there at 4-3. and three. The Saints, the whole upside to the Saints was they had a weakened schedule, and you get some real quarterback play, they can win. Well, they've lost to the Packers, they lost to the Buccaneers, they lost to the Texans, they lost to the Jaguars, and they have the Colts coming up who suddenly picked up uh, – not a win, but they really pushed the Browns in that game. Probably should have won if it wasn't for Miles Garrett. That's not going to be easy this weekend. The Saints certainly could be under 500 and missing out on that division. Steelers offense. They don't have to be great. They just got to be good enough to support that offense or that defense. And TJ Watt did his thing yesterday. And you go from a bye week. All they got to do is be about the 20th best, 15th best offense that's it and there was enough functionality in that offense yesterday against the Rams that they went and get that win we took them in big six as well they get that win if Kenny Pickett can just be functional not shoot himself in the foot and suddenly this team they're above 500 they're four and two they're gonna be looking to another 
above 500 season for Mike Tomlin, and they could be going to the playoffs with the that level that defense can play at. This offense just has to do enough. Deontay Johnson comes back, and they look functional yesterday, which is a big step forward. The Bills, look, sometimes life is just unfair. The Bills, they lose a couple of seasons, 13 seconds, and everyone's like, all right, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Injuries have have taken their toll, and I thought they could survive it, but there's just going to be too much volatility to this team to want to trust the Buffalo Bills come the playoffs. Uh, I'm very worried about what the floor of this team looks like if you can lose to that Patriots team because that Patriots team is significantly lacking any sort of pop even though pop douglas is on the team they they lack a lot and for mac jones to just go down the field when the game is on the line reminiscent of 13 seconds all of a sudden that's not a good indicator of what the bills can be that's a divisional game that was a big one you want to go play for first uh seed in the nfc you can't lose that game and now suddenly uh, you find yourself two games back of kansas city good luck trying to get a number one seed now you wanted the 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 AFC to go through Buffalo, it's going to be a lot tougher staring at four and three right now in a very murky uh, AFC East as well with Miami having a ton of success. The Cardinals came into the season, worst team in the league, worst roster. Seattle did a lot to try to give that game away. Fumbles uh, with a snap, punt return fumbles. They had their opportunities. The roster just not good enough. The, the, the early season stink of belief is starting to go away for the Cardinals. Now the real team is starting to show up. That, that team is going to be competing with the Panthers for the worst pick in the, or sorry, the first pick and the worst record in the league. It's going to be very, very tough for the Cardinals to try to claw anything back. And I think it's the, the, the warts are really going to start showing here. And it's not going to get easier for them. The Ravens, the Browns, Falcons, Texans, Rams, Steelers, 49ers, all coming up there on the Cardinals schedule. So you're looking at a lot of L's really quickly. Maybe something to look at as well with the spread. Keeping an eye on the Cardinals uh, moving forward for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> moving to the NHL, the Detroit Red Wings. I sat here this summer. I thought what is this plan? The, the, this plan that Steve Eisman's putting together doesn't really look good right now. And you're waiting for some of these prospects to come up, come up and it just, it doesn't look fluid, but two weeks into the season, I'm willing to take them out of a conversation. If, if you're looking at some teams right now, I would have said there's certain teams I'm certain will fall off. The Flyers, the Blue Jackets, the the Coyotes, and the Predators. And we'll talk about about the Predators with Paul Skurbina coming up in about 10, 12 minutes. And I would have put the Wings in this conversation, but they are scoring a lot of goals. And Dylan Larkin, one of my favorite watches in the league, he is looking fantastic. 11 points of the season. And Alex DeBrinkett filling the net with goals once again. So I'm going to take them out of the conversation. They might just hang around that 90 point, 95 point mark. But I was wrong with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Hats off to what they're doing and uh, looking pretty entertaining doing it as well. Not that uh, anyone really needs to uh, need a bell for Quinn Hughes. But the big thing for me was. You need to create the room for this guy to grow. I've mentioned this on this show for years once they had that summer, and it wasn't a good summer, by the way. Like, you shouldn't have had Tanev go out the door, Markstrom go out the door, and all those things. 
there were serious problems with all of that. But one of the benefits is with those guys coming out of the room, Quinn Hughes is going to be forced to grow. And as a leader, that's going to be an important step for this franchise. Now, he's put on the seat. But even just beyond that, all the conversation this week, this weekend, about Quinn Hughes, and you heard it on 32 Thoughts, you heard it today uh, with Jeff Merrick, on, on Jeff Merrick's show with Elliot Friedman, that here's someone that's playing with a chip on his shoulder. And Rick Talkin mentioning it this weekend as well. You needed star-level players to want to take the step because it's easier for everyone else to look at a star-level player to take things seriously and say, hey, that's a guy I'm going to follow. That's a guy I'm going to go to battle with. And that's someone who's trying to take every step in his career seriously, and I should do it too. When someone is the leader and takes that final step into the hierarchy of the NHL, which Quinn Hughes is doing right now, He's proven he can be a top 25, top 20 player, be the type of player that's the best player on a cup-winning team. When that happens, everyone else kind of calms down. It's it's like the flight attendant theory. When there's turbulence, you look to the flight attendant. If they're calm, you're calm. And when you have a star player that's calm about it, everybody else can stay calm about it. And there, there's been trouble spots throughout the course of this season. But to me, Saturday was very much a, we've lost two games in a row. I'm not going to let it happen a third time. And Quinn Hughes was phenomenal on Saturday. Maybe a a, a mistake on the one goal against him in front of the net, but nevertheless, what he created nonstop through that game, every time the Canucks needed the puck, he found it. He was there for someone. He moved the puck. He helped calm the game down. Anytime that happened, he was there. And that's the big thing right now for the Vancouver Canucks, who really need to approach these next two weeks with some urgency here. Because the opportunity that's in front of them right now, and I know I sat here and I said, hey, the start is so important. The first five games is so important. But what's important here now is you got over the start, but look what's happening right now in the Pacific Division. McDavid's out for a couple of weeks. Here's their schedule coming up. At Minnesota, who was a playoff team last year, they're at home versus the Rangers, playoff team last year. Heritage Classic coming up this weekend. Battle, Battle of Alberta, that's never easy. Then you get the early season Predators, who, again, have that uh, stench of belief right now. I think they'll fade out, but they are a plucky team. And then Vancouver, who they've already lost twice to. That's what the Oilers have for these next two weeks. Calgary coming up. They've played only one home game, just like the Canucks, but they're at home versus the Rangers, at home versus the Blues. Bennington's having a good start. That might not be easy. Then they get the Heritage Classic, then versus Dallas and at Seattle. Scoring isn't going to be easy for them, and that's their problem right now. L.A. schedule coming up. They got back-to-back versus Arizona, home and away. Then they go to Vegas. Sorry, they, they host Vegas who's 7th in scoring per game, at Toronto, ninth in scoring per game. By the way, that's four games in four different cities. That schedule is not going to be easy. At Ottawa, 3rd in scoring per game. And at Philly, who works really hard and is 13th in scoring per game, which is not really high, but they are kind of the early season try-too-hard team. Stopping goals isn't going to be easy for them with their goaltending right now, and that's their problem. And Seattle have already played more games than the Canucks. They aren't winning right now. And they play a bunch of games here on the road at Detroit, Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay. Then they come home to Nashville and Calgary. Playing catch-up later in the season isn't going to be easy for the Kraken. I know it's early, but if Canucks win tomorrow, suddenly they're way up on the Kraken. 
and playing catch-up is not going to be easy. So these next two weeks for the Canucks are going to be very important. I know we talked about, hey, the first five games, get through that, and they're 3-2 and two right now. But it actually is really important up until these next two weeks at Nashville, come home to St. Louis, Rangers, Nashville, San Jose, Dallas, and then Edmonton. You you do pretty well in this stretch here. You give yourself the chance to launch into the back half of the season, and you might have an early lead in the Pacific. N- not lead, obviously Vegas is running away with it. But if you want to go get a Pacific Division seed rather than a wild card seed, you could do a lot of good work here in these next two weeks to set yourself up. All right, back with more. Paul Skirbina from the Tennessean setting up the National Predators on the way here on The People Show. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.